Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. Extracurriculars are top of mind as fall activities have either started recently or many activities are ramping up soon. This conversation on editing out extracurricular pressure was the 29th episode Asha and I recorded together. So get ready for a dose of her loving voice in your ears. This is an episode that I've been meaning to bring out of the locked archives for some time, as I have in the past heard from folks repeatedly on it. I'm so glad to finally be doing this. It's also important to note that this episode was originally published in 2016, seven years ago, so there are references to Laurel being very young. Just didn't want that to throw you. This conversation is loaded with tips. Asha and I talk about things like the perception of extracurriculars as a responsibility, not a choice, untangling personal baggage, level setting on what extracurriculars really mean, prioritizing family balance and systems, and more. It's so, so good. I also wonder if this was the first episode where I talked about loathing the chauffeur situation associated with being a sports parent. And speaking of sports parenting, producing this episode made me think back to an Instagram post I shared, it turns out a couple years ago, on sideline behavior tips. And when I went back to that post, I realized I had actually shared a number of tactics for people and the response was incredible. So I produced a companion episode to this one, a mini edit on sideline behavior tips. I think you should listen to that one after you listen to this episode if you've not done so already. This conversation was a really good reminder and refresher as I enter the fall season with my kids, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Asha. I loved producing it and hearing her voice in my ears again. We'll be right back. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal. Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. 
Ritual's products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you struggle with boundaries and the general complexities of peopling? Relationships are necessary to our well-being and some relationships are just, well, complicated. A good chunk of the work I have done in therapy centers on relationships, how to own my part of the story, how to let go of relationships that are toxic, and how to navigate challenging relationships in a way that doesn't drain me. And all of this work helps me show up better for myself and also as a partner, mom, friend, family member, and business owner. If you're thinking of starting therapy, check out BetterHelp. This online therapy platform was designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash edit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash edit. I'm so excited to talk about this, Asha. Me too, because I think this is a topic that keeps coming up again and again to the parents that we talk that we talk to. And I know, you know, even in my neighborhood, this comes up, the pressure around after school activities and, you know, just sort of what it does to you know, what it does to everybody's schedule and everybody's stress level. Yeah. So actually, the the reason that I was feeling sort of eager to push this particular topic up our queue, our very, very large queue of potential topics, is that I recently spoke at a mom's group and this this very topic came up in the context of, OMG, I am exhausted by all the things to do. <laughs> you know, people were just really overwhelmed. And there was a lot of Okay, I know my kid probably is not going to be an elite athlete, but I feel so much pressure to sign them up for things. And actually, you know, this feeling was fueled by the trend of parents signing their kids up earlier and earlier to get their kids on track, um, you know, for the pros or whatever. Um, and I also feel like there's another dimension to this pressure situation where you might find yourself in a scenario where your kid shows a lot of talent with something, but then they don't want to do it. And you're like, you need to do it. So I really wanted to dive into this issue of pressure and kids and extracurriculars. Right. Well, it's such a big issue for people. And I mean, truly, both you and I hear this all the time. And I mean, just so many parents are, I mean, I guess there's no other way to put it. They're just crushed by the logistics and the transportation and the planning, everything required for all the sports and the lessons and the clubs after school, especially when there's more than one kid. And you know what I mean? It's just like, I got, you know, it's 4.30 and 4.45, I got to, you know, run away and pick up the other kid. I mean, it's really a logistical challenge, um, not to mention keeping the uniforms or anyway. So I, I think that the main thing that comes up for me um, that strikes me as odd is that when I talk to parents, um, including parents in my neighborhood, they talk about extracurriculars 
like they're a requirement, not a choice. You know, I'm not, I'm almost like it's a sort of a prerequisite of being a responsible and involved parent that you, you know, give your kids lots and lots of things to do after school. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. yet, but yet, you know, the families themselves seem to be stressed by the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is a, it's sort of a conundrum. It is. And I will say that, um, I, I do know some families who have self-identified and said, we love to be busy. We love to have things. They kind of like the crazy and that works yeah. for them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if that's your jam, that's that's fine. But I think we we really want to tackle the issue of um, when you're doing things that you don't really want to do <laughs> or right. also importantly that your kids don't really want to do. So before we get into kind of the strategies that we want to touch on, I, I would just love to talk a little bit more about where the pressure is coming from. So. Mm-hmm. I would say one very obvious source, and this is deeply personal, of course, is overcompensation, you know, perhaps making up for things you didn't have as a child. And um, the very common one, I think, is comparison with what other families are doing. Um, So, Asha, what do you, you know, do you think there are other, what are other factors you're seeing or hearing about from your readers? Well, I think it often, it often comes from a really understandable and natural desire to just give your kid opportunities. I mean, it, you know, just from that place of, you know, I want to expose my kid to the world. Um, There's this huge, there's this huge push right now toward helping kids find a passion. That just seems to be a real sort of buzz phrase right now. And that, that drives a lot of parents. They really want to expose their kids to a lot of different things to see if something sticks. But, you know, I think there's another piece of this. And it's, you know, the fact is that this is a real side effect of privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact is that when, you or your kids have access to 10 exciting possibilities after school, it's really hard for them and sometimes for you to choose only one. And it's also hard sometimes to, you know, get yourself to actually understand why it's important to choose. I'm not saying you have to only choose one, maybe two, you know, whatever works for your family. But when the, when the options are all there, it makes it much more tempting to just, you know, sort of overload the schedule before you even realize it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, right now when you were saying that, I was imagining like a calendar and, you know, you see the flyers coming in and you think, oh, yeah, I have an open slot here. I have an open slot here mm-hmm. um, because you and I have talked very much about, you know, the concept of serendipity space and open slots on the calendar. And if you don't yes. have open slots kind of marked in, they, they yeah. get filled up, you know. Very true. Yeah, it's just it's too it's so tempting. And you know, honestly, these are great opportunities. It's not like this isn't, you know, <laughs> these are all fun and worthwhile, you know, things that come across, you know, that are that sort of come across the wire. And, you know, it, it, it's a natural instinct to want to do these things. Um, but, you know, I, I think we're just talking about the unintended side effects. Yes, yes. And I, I have to, you know, I want to bring up one other point, too, that I think I do touch on, will touch on later in this episode more deeply. But I will say that as someone with a lot of baggage, haha. Um, <laughs> I should also say that, you know, there's invariably going to be just general baggage that might serve as a source of pressure. So for example, like maybe as a kid, you were made fun of for not knowing how to do something. And so as a kid, you push your kid into those lessons, right? Or personally, I know that I have some very deep issues around kids learning to swim. Um, Cause actually when I was in high school, I was with a group of friends. Um, we were swimming um, in a pond and one of them drowned uh, while while we were all there. And um, it actually wasn't because he didn't know how to swim. He had this kind of freak mm-hmm. seizure situation, but it scared me out of the water for years. And mm-hmm. then it later set up 
just a very ugly battlefield for me and Laurel around swim lessons. Um, you know, she was yeah. very activity res- resistant back then. And it was just, it was totally my issues just buggering up the whole thing. <laughs> you yeah. Know? That's just, but I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's these sorts of experiences that we have when we become parents, they take on a whole new dimension. And that's just so, oh, that's awful. You know, it just sort of, uh, my stomach turns when I even think about you experiencing that. And I can see why it would come up. I mean, I mean, for me, it's funny. For me, it's much less, it's not really from trauma. It's more from, well, for me, it's all about sports um, and physical, you know, physical challenges. Because when I was a kid, I really, you know, I sort of identified as the brainy kid, you know, as the kid who was like, you know, did her schoolwork. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't know where I got it, but I had this either or in my head about scholarship versus sports, <laughs> you know, sort of mm-hmm. like you were either a smart kid in school or you did sports, which doesn't say much about how I must have felt about really sporty kids. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know. It was just a strange little dichotomy I had in my head. So I never even considered playing sports or trying martial arts or anything like that until I was an adult. And then I discovered I really loved it. And I totally wished I could do that over again. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy for me to sort of lean on my kids a little too hard about sports and physical challenges. But I think, you know, the reality is when I think about what you went through and, you know, and what I went through is we're human. And it's, you know, of course, we're going to bring our own experiences to our parenting. And I think that's actually a strength. I mean, it can be a weakness, too, if we push our issues onto our kids. But I think it's also, you know, a natural part of of being a parent. Yes. Very, very astutely said, Asha. As always. <laughs> okay. So this, I'm, I'm just, I can't wait to dive in. So my first tip that I kind of hinted at earlier was to remember that your issues are not their issues. So um, I just have to you know, illustrate this with an anecdote. Um, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, um, I grew up with very little money. And I think that once um, I became a parent, I just wanted to overcompensate. I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> and so um, I remember really pushing Laurel about activities like you could sign up for dance, you could sign up for swim. Like I just wanted to give her everything because I just happened to be one of those kids who desperately wanted to do everything and could do nothing. Um, and Laurel, as the universe delivers, you know, us lessons and teachings, you know, through our kids, she was the exact opposite as a kid. She mm-hmm. wanted nothing. And so, you know, it's funny. We actually, as I kind of unpacked these feelings in early parenting, we got to a really funny place in elementary school where um, she would bring home her flyers. And at first I would really push like, are you sure you don't want to sign up for this? Are you sure you don't want to sign up for this? And then it kind of became a joke and she would bring her flyers and I'd ask her about each one in, you know, and she'd say no, no, no. And it was fine. And I'd pitch them all in the recycling. But it was it was really helpful to finally get to a place where I was like, listen, you know, I got I have to honor her pace with this, you know, after after many foul starts Um, and just what I'm dealing with in my head, you know, isn't her thing. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It, I, I, what comes up for me to hear you talk about this story is that it takes time for us to actually learn that our children are different people than we are. They mm-hmm. are not moldable little balls of adorable Play-Doh. <laughs> they are, you know, fully formed I- individuals with preferences and tendencies. Uh, and, you know, we joke about this now, but that is actually really hard to realize because you sort of think when you're a new parent, like it is my job to mold this child. And mm-hmm. it sort of is. And 
And then it sort of isn't. And, you know, it's a real art more than a science, isn't it? Yeah. But you just, you know, and these things come up in the most surprising ways. Anyway, I think, you know, I think this is great advice. Yes, indeed. I mean, their issues are, are different than yours. But again, I would say it's really good to share our history with our kids and our experiences. I mean, this is how they get to know us. And I think if we are pretty clear with the fact that, you know, these are our issues, these are our experiences, they're not universal truths. It's not like, you know, what we went through won't necessarily be what they went through. I think that is, those are the moments where you deepen your relationship with your kids, honestly. Yes, definitely. You know, I mean, at this point, my kids are just like, oh yeah, my mom, uh, she always blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, they'll, they'll sort of joke with me about my, you know, my little um, hot button issues because they now know them very well because I tell them and mm -hmm. we can talk about it. So anyway, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it warrants saying that. So anyway, um, my tip, my next tip is to remember that extracurricular activities are extra, <laughs> meaning they are optional. By now, definition, by, <laughs> yes, by, I don't know, whatever you, what do you call those? Extra, supra, super. Oh, yeah, it's like a Latin. Whatever, Latin idea. things. Listen By Latin definition, us. it is extra. <laughs> so, you know, it may not feel like these, you know, sports and classes are optional uh, because in today's parenting climate, it sometimes doesn't feel that way. And I'm not saying that, it, you know, it's not important or worthwhile to involve your kid in music lessons or sports. Of course, these are all worthwhile activities. They absolutely are, but they're not a requirement. You can grow up to be uh, you know, very accomplished person without a single extracurricular class, even if your kid doesn't sort of show a huge um, pull toward one particular activity. It, it's just really important to know that it's not it, it. It's extra. It's extra. And you don't need to you can step away from that pressure. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. In fact, there was a I have to dig it up because um, I didn't think of it till you just said that. But I think there was an, a study coming out of Harvard that said something like um, that the college admission trend or, is that um, admission boards want to see kids who are kind, like rather than like, you know, some outrageous list of you know, accomplishments. And I'm like, yay. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, um, you shared you shared that article, I think, on the Edit Your Life show Facebook page. Yes, and I think I might have. And, and, it, and there was there was like a collective, you know, cheering coming from the Internet because. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. It is a big that, deal. That totally reminds me of another book I want to talk about. All right. Yes, I'll I'll put pause on that one. OK, well, this and this reminds me. Well, this is a good segue into the, my next tip, which is to follow your kids lead. So mm -hmm. there was a great article by Adam Grant in the um, Sunday section of The New York Times about how to raise a creative child. And, you I know, I like research. Article. I like I like data. Yeah. So he pointed to research showing that parents of world class musicians, artists, athletes and scientists didn't dream of raising superstars and they weren't tigering out about it, you know? So instead when kids showed enthusiasm or interest there, they supported it. So I thought this quote hit the nail on the head. He, he writes, you can't program a child to become creative, try to engineer a certain kind of success. And the best you'll get is an ambitious robot. Mm. If you want your children to bring original ideas into the world, you need to let them pursue their passions, not yours. <laughs> I'm like jumping out of my seat. Oh, yes. Um, okay. I, I, I'm going to contain myself here, but I cannot echo this strongly enough, at least in my own experience. 
this is not easy to do. It is not easy to sort of, it's not easy to step back, you know, in today's climate and sort of follow their lead. I mean, sure, if they're expressing a big interest in soccer, you know, okay, you sign them up for soccer. But I mean, maybe they're expressing an interest in something that you don't think is particularly valuable. Or maybe, you know, I mean, there are all sorts of, you know, sort of ways to fall down, you know, into a into a pothole. And, and I, you know, I just want to acknowledge that this is not easy. There Mm -hmm. is a lot of pressure out there. So we'll, we'll, you know, we have more to say on this. We do. We have (laughs) obviously, especially in this digital age, since we're well beyond handwritten journals and letters to convey history, the preservation of stories is so important, especially from the moms and mom figures in our lives. And if you've been looking for a way to collect those stories, but aren't sure how to start, I have a recommendation for you. StoryWorth makes it easy. Every week, they email a loved one of your choosing a question prompt that you pick. For example, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? And what aspects of having children didn't turn out the way you expected? Your loved one responds to that email with a story of any length. You will receive copies of these emails as they are submitted. And after one year, StoryWorth compiles the stories and any photos provided into a keepsake book. A friend recently shared how moving it was that her mom gifted copies of her StoryWorth album to immediate family members, a genius idea for expanding the preservation and sharing of those stories to people in different households and generations. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com edit. That's StoryWorth dot com slash edit to save $10 on your first purchase. As you know, I am all about micro improvements. And if you'd like to dedicate a little time each day to learn a language, I have a great solution for you. Babbel is a science backed language learning app that offers 10 minute language lessons designed to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Materials are rooted in real life situations. So you can learn important basics such as ordering food and asking for directions. Babbel offers personalized learning content, real-time feedback, tracking, and visualizations, and their speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. No matter what level you are looking for, casual, intense, or something in between, you can enjoy app lessons, podcasts, and live classes from the comfort of your home on your schedule. Here's a special limited-time deal for Edit Your Life listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for Edit Your Life listeners at babbel.com slash edit. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash edit. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash edit. Rules and restrictions may apply. So um, my next tip is to remember that it's okay and even important to prioritize family balance. So, you know, Christine, you mentioned that you were a kid who really wanted to do everything. And I know plenty of kids like that. They are super into extracurricular activities. And and it could be that you're a family that really does love to have a really full schedule. That's how you thrive. So, um, you know, let's say your kid wants to try a million new things and has a whole bunch of interests that they can't choose. You know, it's hard for them to choose which one. It's really okay to step in and advocate for family balance, especially if you're the one handling all the transportation Mm -hmm. or... Maybe these activities happen during work hours or this one comes up quite a bit. There's a younger sibling and that little person still needs to nap in the afternoon. I I had a friend once who was like she basically carted her toddler to every single after after school activity. 
And I mean, you know, it's he did okay, sort of slept in the car or whatever, but it was hard. It was really hard on her. So um, maybe you just want to have dinner at home three nights a week. And so it's really okay to just put the brakes on and say, hey, you know, we've got to really consider how, you know, all of these activities are going to affect everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it can be difficult to remember this, um, you know, but one mantra that I've been speaking regularly over the last few years is that it's it's a family system. Every decision by each member invariably impacts everyone else. And I think it's easy to lose sight of that when you're kind of doing the calendar Tetris and trying to fit every little thing and look for open spaces. But it really, you know, it really is. You have to make these decisions together and look at how it's working for everybody. Right. Definitely. Absolutely. Okay. So my next tip, I'm, I'm saying this a little tongue in cheek, but then also not really, <laughs> but it is to take to heart screaming and flailing as a very loud and obvious cue. <laughs> so um, <laughs> there's yours. Uh, anybody's. <laughs> I would say anybody's, but here I'm thinking, okay, so I mentioned my like little issue with swimming earlier, right? So this led me to, I think when Laurel was three or four, think, okay, I need to get her to swimming lessons at the Boys and Girls Club, and she's got to get these water skills under her belt, and not on my watch is is something going to happen to her in the water. So I asked her if she wants to do the lessons. She says, oh, I don't know about that. And I said, well, it's going to be really good for you. So you're going to learn to swim, and it's going to be really good. So like I'm already at the outset trying to tell her what a good idea this is going to be. Sign up for the lessons take her to the lessons. And um, it was it was just horrible, like, you know, screaming, flailing on the way and then <sighs> just standing in the pool sobbing, you know, Oh no! <laughs> like, so oh, I could just right. You can imagine this. Right. <laughs> and and so obviously, if one, whether it's her or me, if one is screaming oh, or flailing anywhere or sobbing anywhere, you're not going to be able to learn whatever is happening going around yeah. you. Right. So the whole thing is just pointless. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, that is a very humbling example to me of just me making some really like not great decisions and Laura really suffering for it. And I, I mm-hmm. you know, I think I've made up for it in my <laughs> actions, you know, over time. But I just think it's really important to look at those obvious cues for what they are. You know, if yeah. somebody is not ready for something. It doesn't really make sense to push it and invest the money and, you know, deal with the emotional out you know, outfall or outfall, right. whatever, whatever it is. Fallout, fallout. fallout, other way around. Exactly. Um, sorry, my brain's clearly not working, but that's okay. Yeah. So yeah. Take well, those cues to heart. Okay. But I'm just going to jump in here and say, you need to give yourself a break here because I, I mean, I realized the swimming thing is, you know, there would, there was definitely history there. Sometimes we have no idea until we're there. They, I know I've had, I had experiences when my kids were little with my son in particular, where it was just like, yeah, sure. This sounds really great. And then we get there and it's like, you know, record scratch. Yeah. (laughs) Wait a minute, but you were into it and I signed up and this and that and we drove all the way. And, you know, and so sometimes it's hard to know, like, when do you help, when do you help push a kid through that uncomfortable, scared moment of beginning? And when do you realize, wait a minute, they're not ready. Right. I don't think that's always, it's not always obvious. Yes. So I really had to practice on that one. And I think there's, you know, there's room for do overs there. Yeah. But definitely. yes, I, I, I absolutely agree that when a kid isn't ready, a kid isn't ready and there's nothing you can do about it, you know? So, 
All right. My next tip is actually really a very, it's very practical. And that is, given that there are all sorts of activities after school, why don't you have a look for ones that are either at the school campus themselves, or they're a walk or a bike ride or a bus ride from your house so that maybe you can offload some of these transportation duties, either that or sign up with a friend and ride share. That would be really awesome. I mean, and let's remember that when we were kids, we got ourselves to our own activities. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just walked to where I needed to go. No, I mean, seriously, I know that's not always realistic, but, um, you know, think about it. Like, really think about the try to think through the logistical and transportation realities before you even sign up. So and, you know, sharing ride duties is totally awesome, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, actually, the efficiency model is like with activities. That's like a huge that's a huge determining factor. Actually, right now, um, Laurel is doing indoor soccer. And bef- and when I signed her up, I actually emailed a few of her friends who also play, usually play in the fall and the spring. And I said, OK, who wants to who wants to do this? I'll, I can help be responsible for, you know, one part of the situation, the organizational situation. So and I think putting that out there kind of helped mm-hmm. stimulate the interest a little bit. So actually yeah. two of her friends ended up signing up and it is just perfection. Like we're on duty for all three of the girls landing at our house after school and we give them snack and we basically are on point with them till soccer time. And then the second mom drives them all there, picks all the girls up and the third drives them all back. And it's just, whoa, yeah, it's like ninja. It is awesome. And, yeah. and actually, even though we have the most technical hours with the kids, you know, have, being in charge of the kids, it doesn't even matter to me because I just that's how much I loathe driving around to activities. <laughs> I'm like, I will take all the children for like six hours. Like, I don't yeah. care. Well, but I, I mean, don't want to drive <laughs> way more fun for them, too. I mean, it's just more. Fun. I mean, it just seems like. That's a huge win. Yeah, it's awesome. They have a great huge. time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we have we have a couple we have a few more to get to here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna push forward. So my next tip is to bear in mind these statistical realities. So one thing that I hear a lot from parents, and I heard at this mom's group that I was talking to, is this fear of, okay, if I don't get my kids started in hockey or whatever really early, they won't have a chance to excel and make it wherever they want to go. So. I think everybody knows that the statistics for pro sports are not in your favor, but I was recently looking, digging around a little further on this and the mismatch in expectation and reality is, is a bit staggering. So I'll link up the um, sources for this in the notes, but I just wanted to share that a recent NPR study showed that 26% of us parents whose kids in, um, whose kids in high school play sports, hope their kid will become a professional athlete someday. 26%. Really? 26%. And then, actually, among families with household incomes less than 50,000 50, annually, that number jumps up to 39%. So you're starting mm-hmm. to really pin your hopes, right? You mm-hmm. know, if your financial situation isn't as good. So in comparison, um, there's data from the NCAA site that, and this is assuming you get to a level of being able to play as an NCAA athlete, for football, for example, um, they showed um, we're presenting data that for over 71,000 NCAA players, only, there are only 256 draft slots. That's a 1.6% 1, 1. chance of going pro. So Did I just wanted to put those numbers right right wow. out there because just the <laughs> expectation and reality mismatch is just kind of amazing to me. Mm. 
You know, it's so funny because, as I mentioned earlier, you know, sports, my dad was a huge fan of watching professional sports, but actually playing sports just wasn't a thing in my family. So I've never even thought about going pro. But, you know, the reality is that, I mean, I think that that's a huge passion, not only for a bunch of kids, but for a bunch of parents. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that is that's on people's minds. But, you know, even if you're not thinking about you're not thinking along those lines, my kid's going to be a professional sports player. You know, it could just be as simple as you don't want your kid to lag behind all the kids who started playing competitive soccer in kindergarten. And that was like a that was an issue in my kids elementary school. There were literally children who were I mean, these kids were crazily talented and they were six. Yeah. (laughs) And so this is a tough one, because especially if your kids friends all play and, you know, they want to just sort of join a pickup game of soccer. They you know, sometimes it can be hard for them to even, you know, sort of get involved. And I think I think that's real. But I also think we need to we just need to challenge that pressure to keep up in every arena, because that's what that's what's exhausting us. And I just you know, I want to come back to that notion of family balance is the entire family's balance and well-being worth sacrificing on the altar of keeping up. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just I resent that whole idea. And I really think we need to step back and be a little critical about it. I, I agree. And, you know, related to I, I'm glad you brought up that this isn't just about pro sports, because one of the things that I was hearing from these moms was even and I've had some of these feelings is, OK, well, if I don't get them to learn how to swim or to ice skate, what if they're invited to a party where they you know, need to ice skate or swim or whatever? And, you know, the thing is, I have found, you know, Laurel's been a wonderful teacher for me in this domain. Um, you know, she's somebody who resisted all those activities early on and then came to learn them basically on her own later when she when she was ready. And mm-hmm. the thing is, I think that kids are not nearly as bogged down by that fear of not being able to keep up at the ice rink or whatever as we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're much more fearless about just kind of going out there and falling over, you know, so there's a lot to unpack there. That's really that's actually really wise that, you know, that they're not as bogged down as we are. And, you know, why transmit that to them? Let mm-hmm. them try. And yeah, no, I, I hear you. That's That's really good advice. I think that ties in with my next tip, which is, you know, really to feel comfortable with stepping back and letting kids learn on their own, letting them Mm -hmm. letting them um, sort of grab onto their own interest as a motivator to learn something. So in that New York Times article that you mentioned earlier, which I read, by the way, and totally loved the the author encouraged parents to back off, like just pretty much plain and simple back off. Mm-hmm. He talked about how child prodigies, kids who, you know, basically display a huge talent when they're young, rarely become adult geniuses because they don't learn to be original. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's ironic and strange and sort of sad because they, you know, are really locked into this place of striving for approval from their parents and their teachers. And that really holds them back from, you know, the true artistry mm-hmm. that one could develop. But the bottom line is that when a kid when a kid discovers about herself that she's accomplished and that she's learned something really hard herself, it just lights a real fire that comes from learning something challenging because you want to. And it it can really be a defining moment. I mean, I've watched it happen with my own daughter and it builds the kind of confidence that you just can't get any other way. It's a very exciting. It's so exciting to watch it happen. But you have to step back to let it happen. Yes, absolutely. 
I think we yeah. need shirts that they step back anyway <laughs> in our ever evolving t-shirt collection. Like my heart is beating faster. I feel so strongly. About I know. This. I know. I know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Okay. So my, my last tip of this episode is it's an interesting one for me. Cause again, like everything else, it's been a journey, but it is that it's okay to pull the ripcord if things aren't working. So in general, I would say I'm a sign up and stick to a type person. And that's why we suffered through those 10 dreadful swimming lessons, even though it was sobbing in the pool the whole time. Um, but I've really migrated my perspective on this because of instances like that and realizing that sometimes a kid just isn't ready. And it's funny because, you know, we got a second try at this with with Vi and she played like, you know, pre preschooler, pre-K soccer in the fall and just loved it. And basically it was games, you know, they were just playing games and running around and, you know, jumping and doing things. And so we signed her for indoor soccer. This was the first time this was available in our town. And she went to the first one and it was like utter chaos. You know, it was, it was just, it was kids and it was competitive and there were a lot of six year olds and, you know, she's, she's almost five, but she's four right now. So, um, you know, after talking about it a little, we just, John and I were like, you know what, she, and she ended up at that first practice, just, she tried to jump in, and I applaud her, her for that, and then she scurried to the sideline and was just like, this is scary. Mm. <laughs> These kids are really big, and it was interesting. I talked to her about it. John and I were like, I think we should just let this go. You know, it was 40 bucks to sign up. It's not a big deal. Let's just let it go, and when I, you know, I wanted to give Vi some voice in it and ask her if she wanted to try it again, and she said, you know, um, I think that maybe it will be better in the spring when I'm five, because right now I'm two numbers from six and in the spring, I'll only be one number from six, which is the max age for the kids in this group. And I was like, okay. Clearly she's a math genius. Yeah. I was like, let's just pull the ripcord. You know, this is, yeah. this is, and also I, I will say the other thing is that it was happening at six o'clock on a Thursday, which is a day that she goes to school. So when we were trying it the first couple of weeks, it was like, get her, get her early from school so we could rush home so we could do dinner and then we could get her over. So it was kind of like a dreadful logistical situation for us. And we all kind of mm -hmm. breathed a sigh of relief when we just decided to let it go. Cause we didn't right. have that same ride share situation that we have with Laurel with her built in, you know, system of friends who already play soccer. Right. Exactly. So, well, so I think it, I think <laughs> it's funny. There's this whole winners never quit phrase that seems to go around and this notion that it's it's our job as parents to push our kids to just not quit. And sometimes there are moments where you really should quit. And I think, like you said, it's it's like there's a ripcord. Pull it if it's just not working. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, I've, I've experienced this myself. And I think there's just no point, especially when it's not working for you logistically to try to force these things. So I think it's good to hear that reminder. I'm glad you said it. Yes. Yes. It's yes. been a good learning, good learning for me. Well, it takes, you know, it takes time for all of us. And like, it's not like we can even know half of this stuff ahead of time. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's, yeah, in, we all go through a process, no matter what our history. For sure. For sure. All right. <laughs> so Asha, let's get to your next edit for this episode. Okay. Um, my, your next edit is to look into swapping transportation duties with another parent, because that is just, that's just going to cut your work in half and just find out if there's somebody on the team, in the class, whatever, who's willing to, you know, who's willing to go habsies with you. Yeah. It makes all the difference. I'm going to mm -hmm. get, I'm going to make another t-shirt that says I loathe chauffeuring. <laughs> I clearly <laughs> have issues chauffeur. about chauffeuring. I really don't like doing it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, and my your next edit is um, it's a little bigger, but if you are feeling overwhelmed by your kid's volume of activities, take the first step in evaluating and removing something. So that first step could be just because I like to break it down. It could just be a mental or written inventory of what your kids are doing and why they're doing things. Um, or you could have your ask your kids to share in priority order what their favorite activities are and let some things on the bottom of that list go, you know? So we mentioned earlier that, you know, some kids really love doing all of the things, but the reality is if that is making you and your family crazy and the system is not working, then it needs some attention and some editing. Yes, indeed. Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed that fantastic conversation with Asha. Oh my gosh, her voice, her wisdom. I just loved hearing it all again. You'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.